Good morning, good afternoon, good night. Welcome in to everyone listening, watching live or on demand. This is the Makeshift Manager Podcast. My name is Austin. Devin is uh, to one of my sides that I'm not going to point at because I miss it every time. Uh, but that's Devin. We're done pointing, man. It's it, it's a <laughs> it's always a failure was, on our part. It's a war of attrition. I was told it was rude to point, so there you go. <laughs> the golden it's as easy rule. as that. Do not point over the internet. People will get offended. But you know what you should do is shave your balls. Let me tell you. To put that bluntly, Austin, I think you couldn't have said it any better myself. um, As we've said before, as you've heard us talk about over the last uh, litany of episodes, uh, this show is partly brought to you by our friends over at Manscaped. And uh, if I haven't said it once, I'll say it again. Manscaped is your one-shop stop. It's your one-stop shop for any men's grooming essentials. I know, Austin, I can't talk today. But (laughs) one thing that I can do is tell you about the litany of products that Manscaped has to offer. Um, As you may have heard, they have launched their Lawn Mower 4.0, cutting-edge trimmer that is designed to help making shaving your family jewels your favorite time in the bathroom. And so just imagine shaving with the sleek, well-designed, and optimized trimmer that makes shaving time, as I said, your favorite time in the bathroom. And Austin and I each got sent the Lawnmower 4.0 along with everything else that comes in the performance package from our friends over at Manscaped. And if there's one thing I love about the Lawnmower 4.0, Austin, it's everything wireless charging, disposable blades. You can get your refills from Manscaped, they have it all. And so, as we've said before, you can use you can use code TMSM for 20% off and free worldwide shipping at manscaped.com. And so help us out and we'll help you out. 20% off and free shipping. Whenever it comes to men's body grooming, Manscaped is the place to be. So there you go. It's as easy as that. Code TMSM at manscaped.com. 20% off worldwide shipping. That is the globe itself. It's not flat. You can go around it. It'll get If it's to flat, you. if it's circular, they've got you. Point blank and period. Your balls will thank you. So let's get into it. Um, so we are breaking down MLB divisions. Um, we are going to start with the National League East. But first, I'm not a magician, but I can make people appear. We're going to bring in Grant. Uh, Grant runs the at uh, database hit account. If you can't read, it's right there. Uh, that's mine. His is somewhere down there. Grant, <laughs> how's it going? <laughs> Pretty good. How are you guys? Doing good. Uh, doing great. It is officially kind of not really baseball season. Um we have a big free agency pool left, but I feel like we couldn't sit around any longer and kind of ignore what was going on, uh, despite all the CBA talks that aren't hap- or they are happening, but they're not going well. Uh, we just felt the need to start this six-week process. Uh, we'll finish on the first day, the first Monday of the season, if opening day doesn't get canceled. Um, so we're excited. Um, Grant, I, I know I interact with you a decent amount on Twitter, so... Thank you for coming on. This is going to be a freaking blast. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Like you said, it's it's a good excuse to just talk baseball and, you know, get excited about the season regardless of when it's going to start. Yeah, exactly. I just, I'm sitting around. Football season's over. I'm watching a little bit of hockey here, um, but I, I got I to gotta get going. So a team that's probably not going to go and we'll start at the bottom of the NL East, the Washington nationals. Um, 
Sellers at the deadline last season, Turner gone, Max Scherzer gone. They bring in guys like Josiah Gray, Kiebert Ruiz. Um, they still have Josh Bell, and they can't decide how much money they want to give to Juan Soto. I I look at this depth chart. Um, you got Steven Strasburg and Patrick Corbin at the top of the rotation past that. Solid one-two punch. Patrick Corbin did not have the season that you would have expected coming being the ace of the Arizona Diamondbacks came in, got beat up pretty badly. Uh, let's see what his stats were last season. Patrick Corbin, uh, nine and 16 with a 5.82 ERA. I did not think it was that bad, but it, it was indeed. All right. Come on, Patrick. <laughs> um, but past that, you have Joe Ross, Josiah Gray, who's probably just going to be thrown in there to the wolves and see what he can do. You got Eric Fetty, uh, not, not a whole lot going on. They're probably going to throw out Kiebert Ruiz at catcher. Uh, I think he just has to get the reps at that point. I think the Nationals are kind of at the point of they had their 2019 Cinderella run over the Houston Astros, over the Dodgers. They beat the living hell out of the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, it, it's kind of it's over for them. They, they tried to sign Josh Bell. I mean, they did sign Josh Bell. But past that, you got Josh Bell, you got Juan Soto. This team does not... Uh, really surprise me in any way whatsoever if they do another Cinderella one. Cinderella run, man, it is not my day. Um, I do not expect this team to do a whole lot. Uh, Grant, what do you think about the Nationals? Uh, I'm a little more optimistic than you are. I'm not saying they're going to take the division or the league by storm, but I think they have some really good building blocks. Obviously, Juan Soto being one of the best players in the league and only 23 years old. It, it's kind of crazy to think that he's only 23 year old, already won a World Series, and he's you know been in the league for I think three or four years now. But with him, and if I mean with the DH now, that really helps them. With um, Josh Bell, they can put him at DH or first base, and those two in the middle. And then um, they do have the uh, this really good prospect in Lane Thomas that's supposed to lead off. And he's supposed to be um, a, a 25 home run, 10, 15 steal type guy. And I think that's a good table setter. Obviously, being a, a young guy and a rookie, he's inexperienced. So he's got to figure out how to face major league hitters. But if he can figure that out and get on base for those guys behind him, then I think they can score runs. And if their pitching staff can stay healthy, and if, like you mentioned, if Corbin can return to what he was in the shortened season and in 2019 um, and with the D-backs, then they have a really good one-two punch. So I think they're going to win more games than people think. But outside of that, like you said, their their bullpen's a little rough and the back end of the rotation and the the bottom of their lineup isn't something to be super excited about. But they do have a lot of upside, I will say that. So. You know, expectations are low, and I think they might surprise some people. Yeah, the DH is going to change a lot, I think, as we go through the National League. I think it really improves. Overall, I'm a DH guy. I am all for the universal DH. Um, I think it'll help in the terms of Josh Bell. Um, the dude's huge, uh, and he's a decent first baseman, but I would much rather see him DH. Uh, for me, too, it'll be the health of Steven Strasburg. Um, Absolutely. When he's healthy, top 10 starting pitcher, World Series MVP. Um, but I, I got to see him pitch 30-something games to 200 innings. He's got to be that guy for the Nationals. Uh, what about you, Devin? 
So I'm kind of agreeing with Grant a little bit in terms of the Nationals uh, projections this year. Um, I don't, I'm not in love with this roster. I'm not in love with what they did going into like midseason last year. I went on my rant about how they traded Trey Turner and Max Scherzer to the Dodgers. I thought moving Turner whenever they still had arbitration and some player control still on his contract felt a little short-sighted, but I see what they're doing. They are being as realistic as possible with the bones of their team. They have Juan Soto, and that's probably one of the best players to have in the MLB moving forward as of today. Um, hopefully they can ink him to a monster deal in the next year or two, because without Juan Soto, any projections I would have for this team go down the down the drain, essentially, Strasburg is a great number one to have, regardless of what team you're fielding. If Corbin can go back to what he was before last year, I like him as the number two in this rotation as well. I don't see a lot of names in the bullpen that inspire faith for me personally, but in terms of their actual position players, I like the youth. If there's one thing you want to be in baseball whenever you're bad, it's young. Because at least whenever you're bad and young, you have the ability to get better and not just uh, laterally. Because if you're older, you can move through free agency and through trades to get better. Whenever you're young, you have actual leverage with prospects and pieces that you could move if you have a window. And while their window is far closer to being closed than it is to being open within the next three years, if guys like Kiebert Ruiz, uh, Carter Keeboom, and others can actually hit the field and play to the ability that we expect them to, if not more like guys like Luis Garcia as well, they are extremely young and they're extremely talented in certain spots. So while they won't be winning the division in the next two years, I think they're going to probably catch other teams by surprise and win more games than we expect them to. They might not be worse in the division, but I don't expect them being anywhere higher than four with the other teams that are currently constructed around them. Yeah. So I was just about to say, it sounds like you guys have them in fourth place at the end of the season. Yeah, yeah I think that sounds right. Yeah, they went, uh, let's see, I believe it's 65 and 97 last year, just two games back of the Marlins. Uh, I'll I'll probably say somewhere around there, uh, like 70 wins probably for the Nationals. Uh, They're going to be a thorn in the side of somebody, whether it be the Mets, the Braves, or the Phillies. You always do have that one team in your division, no matter how bad they are. They're always a thorn in somebody's side. So I can foresee that for the Nationals. Um, We'll see what kind of moves they make and pretty much how much this Juan Soto extension hangs over their head because Juan Soto wants it all. He wants all of it. And at this point, you can't argue against it. Like <laughs> to this point in his career, name me a player that's been better at his age. Like he forecasts with the numbers that he's put up with like all-time greats. And I, I understand not wanting to commit too early, but whenever guys like Tatis and Franco are getting these mega deals before they even think about arbitration, if you're not backing up the Brinks truck for a one for a Juan Soto, then I don't know who you're going to back it up for, essentially. Yeah, all right. I agree. We'll move up to fourth place, Miami Marlins. Now Derek Jeter list uh, after today. My man said, I'm out of here. Uh Grant will have you kick off the Miami Marlins. How do you feel about them going into this season? It's tough. Uh, I think they're in a similar situation as the Nationals. Um, They didn't like completely sell off their team, but I I think that they have pieces to build around. Their their pitching staff is pretty strong, and we've seen we've seen glimmers of hope with um, Alcantara and Lopez, and then Rogers had a. Uh, rookie of the year campaign before they, you know, 
put his innings um, on a limit. And I, I think there's there's um, some really strong talent there. It's just whether or not they can um, put it together for a full season. And then with with their their lineup as well, um, like Jazz Jazz Chisholm is actually one of my favorite players in the league. Just he's so he is so talented and so raw. But again, if they can develop the patience at the plate, figure out how to take walks, not swing at everything, then there's there's a real legitimate team there. It's just can they all put it together, which is what we saw in the shortened season. So, you know, over 60 game pace, they were able to get to the playoffs and even upset the Cubs and, you know, um, make make some noise there. But I think over however long this season is going to be, it's going to be a little bit tougher. for them to do. Um, they do have, you know, they added Avi Garcia and they do have Miguel Rojas and Jesus Aguilar who are, you know, guys that have been doing it for a while, but, you know, with the younger pieces, I think they just need to develop consistency and, you know, they're like, I think if they can see some improvement in Jesus Lazardo, who they got from the A's and just have a strong rotation throughout the season with health. I mean, obviously health is a problem with every team, but if they can develop a healthy, strong rotation, it starts there. And then if they're, if they can score some runs too to keep the team in competition, then I, I think they'll do well. They're not going to do anything spectacular, but I think they have potential. Devin? Uh, I can't really disagree with any points that Grant has made. Um, the Marlins are cool. Like they're, they're the one team that I look at and I can't be mad at them. Like they haven't made any like egregious trades in the last year where I'm like, why the hell would they do that? This isn't the Marlins of my youth. Whenever they were shipping out guys like Christian Yelich and JT Real Muto and uh, Giancarlo Stanton for like quarters on the dollar, essentially. Um, this front office seems to be a bit more patient in their uh, pursuits, which I can respect. And I obviously think they've been doing a a good job in constructing the roster piece by piece. I think their rotation in terms of comparing it against the division, while it is extremely young, it's very high upside. And so I think this year for the Marlins, even if they are last in the division, I think as long as players can stay healthy and they are, as long as the team stays healthy, I think it's a win for the Marlins in general, because like the Nationals, they're extremely young, but they're also unproven to a certain extent. I say that because the Nationals have a guy like Juan Soto, which is insanely great to have, which is crazy to think they could be worse in the division. But there's nothing around Juan Soto that inspires me to think they could be anything above top four in the division. This team is lacking a top-end talent like a Juan Soto, so it kind of lowers their overall floor and curtails their overall ceiling as well. So a last place finish in this division is nothing to be ashamed of. You have three teams near the top that I believe could be true contenders in the NL if things break their way. But with the rotation with guys like Sandy Alcantara, you've got Trevor Rogers, Sixto Sanchez, you've got Edward Cabrera in there as well. You have a lot of young guys that can throw some serious stuff. And if they continue to to develop and they keep these guys all together, this rotation could be something very serious moving forward. But as I said before, this team is extremely young. I look forward to seeing Jazz play more this year. I think he was a breath of fresh air coming out of Miami for once because it seems like anytime they have talent, they eventually ship it off. But Jazz is really young, really electric, and I think he's somebody this team can actually get behind as their go-to star. And it's just nice to see them going into the year. I know they traded for Marte a couple years back, right? He was their deadline addition in the uh, 
60 game season. And so maybe they have a move they can make in free agency to bring in a veteran or a high impact kind of guy. If they don't, I'm not mad about it. Um, I like Jacob Stallings, a catcher to a certain extent. Uh, Jesus Aguilar is a good signing for a veteran to kind of bring some consistency and some leadership to the locker room. Um, But beyond that, it's just going to be a year of developing the young guys and trying to learn winning baseball. This is a franchise that hasn't really won much in the last 10 years and they have two world series rings, but every time they've gotten to that peak of baseball, they've torn it down almost instantaneously. So it feels organic. And I think a lot of their key pieces line up really well with each other. So it's just a part of the process. I think Miami just needs to remain uh, calm in their approach to these young guys and give them the time they need to develop and not get hasty in their moves during this season. Once it finally materializes. Yeah, that's the, that's the biggest thing for me. Um, I've always had a soft spot for Miami. I have no idea why, Um, but I look at Alcantara Lopez, a strikeout machine, Trevor Mm. Rogers, Jesus, Jesus Lazardo. I've watched Jesus Lazardo closely in Oakland. Um, Biggest thing for him is going to be walks. The dude just got to stop walking people. He has really good stuff Has a small attitude, you know, kind of, broke his hand playing video games when he was with the A's and the A's were kind of like, we don't have time for this. We're trying to go to the playoffs, brother. Like we, you gotta go. So I understand why the A's shipped him off. It was kind of, he needs time to just get out there and throw innings and stop walking people and get his ass kicked. If he is not pitching well that day and Miami can give him exactly that. Um, You guys have said it best. They don't have that overall scary threat in the lineup. Jesus Aguilar drove in 93 runs last year. That was really good to see. Um, but when Jesus Aguilar comes up to the plate, it's not it's not Trout or Soto or Tatis. It's not these guys that instill fear in the plate. Um, they need to find somebody who can close out a game. That'll be one of the biggest things to them. Um, maybe Dylan Floro. I'm not too sure on their bullpen. It'll probably get beat up a lot, most mostly throughout the year. Um but I think the biggest thing for me I need to see in Miami is I need to see them in top five in starters innings pitched. I mm. need to see all five of those guys just go out there and put the, put the, tr- uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The trek on their arm. They need to just get in there and be like, okay, you are going to throw close to 200 innings because next year when we think we're ready to compete and we can put an offense together, we need you guys to go out there and throw a thousand innings together. Like, we just need you to go. I watched it with the Rangers all last year. Dane Dunning, AJ Alexi, all these guys who haven't thrown over 100 innings in their life and have to get shipped to the DL for the IL for, you know, 10 days because they they're tired in in August and September. They can't put up with it. So, if you want to compete, you can't have that towards the end of the year. Miami has the rotation to put it together. Um Jazz, a great player, Brian Anderson. They traded for Joey Wendell. That'll be I like Joey Wendell. He's cool, but he's not going to instill fear in anybody. Um, they have IVCL Garcia, which will put a little power along with Aguilar. Uh, but that's about it. Um, let's see. They finished 67 95 last year. I feel the same way uh, to them about the Nationals. I feel like Miami has a bigger upside in terms of how their pitching is looking so far and how young it is, how dynamic it can be. But I expect them to be around that same mark again, 65, 70 wins. I don't expect them to blow anybody away. Uh, there's no reason to trade for anybody this year to, no matter how close you get, I don't think you can go grab a superstar. 
it's hard to know who's available at the deadline now because it's no longer these these half season rentals you know like trey turner got shipped off and he still had a year on his deal we saw whit merrifield uh in the trade talks it is so weird now to me that this one extra year it's very valuable don't get me wrong i understand the trade process and why it but it's just so weird in in how i grew up it's no longer these one-year rentals like you trade for a guy you're gonna have them for next year as well like joey gallo and trey turner are the first two that come to mind for me so it's so weird so who knows <laughs> can, can i add a couple things real quick oh yeah, yeah go for sure. it so two po- I'm, I'm trying to find positives for teams like this um <laughs> two positives just looking at their roster construction um there's their projected starting rotation is all under 27 so pretty young and something to build around and um there are two key acquisitions this year with garcia and joey wendell i mean they're not eye-popping names but they have been on teams that have won and made it deep into the playoffs and I think that does a lot in the clubhouse just from my experience and just motivating guys and just you know getting that that mindset into those younger guys because a lot of the times with these younger players especially over the course of a season is it's like oh you know my first 60 to 70 games this year have just been garbage. Not, not what I expected. It's like, no, you gotta, you gotta grind every single day and keep going and keep, keep at it. Just gradual increases across the course of a season can really change the outlook and your just overall projections. And I think some of these guys just get too caught up on their individual stats. When a guy like Joey Wendell doesn't do anything great, but he does a lot of things really well and just knows his role. This team can be a team that if they all figure out their own individual role and put it together, they can they can contend. It's just they need to figure that out and determine who's doing what for them. Yeah, I think having a winning presence is very good in the clubhouse, regardless of how young a team is. I'll never forget, uh, like a couple things is, um, I remember a story of when Craig Gentry was in Oakland A, uh, 18 games into the season, he didn't have a hit yet, and um, he he just got like a, a single. And Billy Bean, you know, gave him a tap on the back seeds and told him, "See, there you go. I told you you would get it." That's the kind of mindset you have to have. It is a long fucking season. 162 games is a lot to play compared to every other sport there is. You got to grind out all year. You're tired halfway through. You're t- they call it the dog days for a reason. And when you're losing, the yeah. dog days come a lot sooner. <laughs> yeah, and. And Adrian Beltre, when he was a Ranger, instilled in everybody, you should never be okay with losing. It never, never at any point, no matter how bad you are, be like, oh, well, we lost, but we're not a good team. Like, well, no, go, go fucking win then. Like, don't be okay with losing. Just go out there and win. And you just got to have, like, like you said, the Joey Wendell doesn't blow anybody away, but he's a good ball player. Joey has been on winning teams. He, doesn't wear batting gloves. He's that dude. <laughs> yeah. I love Joey. I love Joey Wendell. Yeah. At every baseball team you come across, regardless of winning or losing, you have to have baseball players, like professional grade baseball players on the roster, regardless of what you're looking to do. Because as Grant said, it's a very long season and it's really easy to get down upon yourself because you can go a full month and register like three hits. It's the way of the game. You have to constantly adapt and constantly learn. And if you don't have guys that have been doing this for a while there to help kind of mentor the younger guys, you can get into a really 
awkward and bad scenario for a lot of these younger guys because they just haven't done it yet. So for me, at least, as long as the Marlins, like Austin said, get their guys on the field and give them the reps, I think everything else is just gravy. The wins don't matter as much because this is a development team in my eyes. They are looking to see what they have and move forward with the best options moving forward. And the thing is, these guys come up to play Major League Baseball and you have, you know, you have your single A's and you have your double A's and you have your triple A's and you have the MLB. In terms oh, yeah. of skill level, the difference between AAA and MLB is extreme. You don't face guys with 12-6 curveballs or wiffle ball sliders in AAA very often or guys who can take you yard off a ball down and in. it. You These guys have to get their reps because they are facing literally the best 1,200 men on the planet who can play the game of baseball. It is a tough game to play. There's a yep. reason why there's a reason why I'm sitting here talking about it because <laughs> I can't throw 90. <laughs> and even then, 90 is not good enough anymore. <laughs> I can't even comprehend 90, to be honest. <laughs> Playing Little League, people were throwing like 55 and I couldn't keep up. So 90 miles an hour just seems out of this world. Oh, man. All right. Let's move on to Steve Cohen's bank account. Dude, this the New team, York Mets. The Mets are going to Met, so I don't have a lot of faith in this team. But on paper... <laughs> This shit's just money. Like, if, if Bank of the West were an affiliated uh, sponsor of the MLB, they would be on the Mets jerseys at this point because Steve Cohen has broke the bank. Like, for me, the Mets going into this year, um, for all the trade like the trade deadline talk that we had throughout the year last year, Cohen just did the trade deadline in the offseason before the lockout started, essentially. Basically, all the dudes that we've seen him add in this fail swoop of Mets uh, adding talent or bringing in roster talent. Scherzer, he's a guy that was dealt the deadline last year. Then you look towards, uh, you've got, so let's see. Oh, Eduardo Escobar. He's a guy that got moved at the deadline. You've got a lot, Starling Marte as well. Those are like four of the top names at the trade deadline last year in terms of teams trying to improve. And Cohen said, I couldn't trade for them, but here's a blank check. Welcome to the Mets, essentially. Like, Max Scherzer is getting paid astronomical amounts of money, and that's fine. There's no salary cap in baseball. They're trying to establish one, I guess, in these uh, lockout meetings. But Steve Cohen wants this team to win, and he's doing his darndest to try and actualize that reality. And it'd be one thing if it was just DeGrom and Scherzer in this rotation, but Carlos Carrasco and Taiwan Walker are both very serviceable starting pitchers at the MLB level. Um, the DeGrom Scherzer one, two punch is arguably the scariest I've seen in MLB since that whole, uh, Detroit based, uh, rotation they had out there in the early 2010s when you had Verlander, Scherzer, I forget the other names. David Price was in there. It was an insane. Yes. uh, uh, Who am I like talking about it? Oh, that's fair. fair, Grant. Our apologies. I'm I'm totally joking. It's just (laughs) like. We we did we had all of these names and now they have all won a World Series with a different team. It's it, yeah, it's laughable at this point. So it's totally fine. Yeah, but I think Degrom Scherzer is probably the best one-two punch we've seen in the last five years in terms of like at their peaks what they can do on a mound. Um, their bullpen is still going to be good. Edwin Diaz, Seth Lugo, Trevor May. Uh, I'm a fan of all of them. Um, the closers, the closer situation, I'm not super familiar for the Mets, so I'm not going to speak upon it myself. James McCann is an addition to this team that I also like as well. McCann's been a solid catcher for the last like three to four years, and I think he's actually going to be an underrated signing for the Mets going into this year because with the pitching staff that you have, they can only be as good as your catcher truly is. 
I cite Gary Sanchez as the uh, reasoning behind that take. But um, Pete Alonso is coming into, I believe, year – this is year five, year four or five on the Mets. I think it was a 2018 rookie. But Alonso should project to be better. Hopefully he can hit for a bit of a higher average. But I like Pete Alonso a lot. If Robinson Cano can take the field, um, I know they banned drug testing during the lockout, so hopefully he's not doing anything too stupid. Um, Francisco Lindor, when healthy, is one of the best shortstops in baseball. Um, he may be a tad overrated in the grand scheme of it due to his contemporaries around him and what they can do in ways that he can't. But whenever you surround a guy like Lindor with guys like Escobar, Cano, and Pete Alonso, it doesn't matter as much. Lindor can be the face of your franchise, and he's not going to be asked to carry a load like a Carlos Correa has had to in the past. And then you go to the outfield with Starling Marte in center. Not only is he fast, he's a good defender, and with the bat, he's been insane the last couple of years. So I don't know where to project them personally because the Mets are going to met Austin, but they have a really compelling case to possibly usurp the uh, Braves coming into this year, even more so than that, even more so than they did last year. Because coming into last year, I was like, this is anybody's division. But the Braves are really, really good. But what the Mets have done so far makes me lean more towards them possibly being a legitimate threat this year. Uh, before I pass off to Grant super quick, look, we, we were doing these division breakdowns last year, and we said it. We're like, we love the Mets, but they're going to met. Like, they, they're, they're going to find a way to fuck this up. And they did exactly that. They collapsed towards the end, but... It's a new if year. I had, if I had to quantify the Mets to like any other analogy for other sports, we could call them uh, Clippers Northeast. They have the owner that can pay anything for the players, but for some reason, there's always a log jam or something gets in the way of it. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how to really describe last year for them. It was if if I was a Met fan, I would have been just infuriated because they had all of the guys. Lindor had like a career low year. Uh, I mean, Alonzo did what he's expected to do, but outside of that, the, all the guys they acquired, I mean, Taiwan Walker had a good year, but all the guys they acquired just sucked. Carrasco didn't do great. And then DeGrom got hurt and you can't do anything yeah. about that, but they're, I, I agree with a lot of what you said, Devin, but um, just looking at their, their payroll and um, was looking up the average salaries for this coming year. And, the Mets have two of the top five and three of the top 10 highest paid average salaries going into 2022 with Scherzer, DeGrom, and Lindor. Um, so that says it all right there. And then they went out and got even more. Um, and I, I think it's hard to find a better lineup than what they have, especially with Cano coming back. People just totally forgot that the Mets even had him. And the fact that he can just slot into DH and you don't have to worry about a 39 year old playing second base anymore is, is even better. So I, I think th there's even these under the radar guys like Mark Hanna is insanely consistent and he's batting sixth behind. I mean, they haven't projected to bat it's bat sixth and you can put him anywhere in the outfield. You can put him at lead off if you need to give Nimmo or Marte a day off and just to interchange these guys is, is such a luxury to have. And then I don't think there's a better one-two punch that we've seen in the last 10 years than DeGrom Scherzer. It's, it's absolutely ridiculous and totally unfair. So if they can stay healthy and make it to the divisional series, you pitch those guys and you're up two games, nothing in the blink of an eye. And then 
I mean, you just have your offense out hit the other team and you're on to the, the, the next series. So I, I, I think the hopes are and expectations are extremely high because, you know, they they've opened up their bank and just given these guys whatever they ask for. I, I do actually, though, um, see them still finishing second in the division. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, can, I think that's I can fair as well. I, I, uh, this team up and down looks pretty good. I would not expect Lindor to have that kind of year again. Um, like I really hope Lindor doesn't have a down year again. Eduardo Escobar, Robbie Cano, you know, don't you know the the old the old classic man. When you said he was 39, that made me feel old. Holy crap. That dude went from the Yankees to a long-term deal with the Mariners to the Jesus Christ. Good long-term deal to the couch. Suspensions. <laughs> one year, one year deal. Yeah, one year deal to the couch. The two biggest things. Well, I'll get to what I don't like. I don't like Mark Canna. Uh, just a personal <laughs> thing. Um, I've seen him a lot in Oakland. He supposedly he's not the best locker room guy, but I'm not going to sit here and speculate. I'm not in the locker room and I don't know Mark Canna personally. Um, he had a really down year for Oakland and well, Oakland had a down year in general towards the end of the season, but Canna, you know, this kind of, you know, it's bat flipping season kind of guy. He's, you know, tries to put himself out there, uh, had a really down year. I don't like the signing for the Mets, but he could easily prove me wrong. He plays good defense for the most part. His bat has been consistent for the most part. Um, I don't think he had a good 2020, and I know he didn't have a good 2021, but he could easily bounce back, produce in this lineup. A lot of good guys are hitting around him where that wasn't really happening in Oakland, and he got bounced around between – the dude gets hit by pitches a lot. He gets on base a lot. He is the Billy Bean type of guy for on base percentage. He is the money ball. And, you know, Cohen said just money this time. Um, so we'll see how that works. Starling Marte can change a game, turn it on its head any day of the week. Um, Jacob DeGrob, obviously the top dude in baseball when he was healthy, got his ERA down to 0.5, which is something, you know, we may never see again in our generation. Uh, for me, Edwin Diaz has to close games. He has mm. to pick it up from his Seattle days. He has a wipeout slider, a great fastball. He was kind of in the same spot. Him and Blake Trinan were in the same exact spot. Sinker slider type of guys. Everyone's chasing sliders. And then the next year, nobody chases. They're walking dudes. They're giving up bombs. Trinan has a down year. Diaz has a down year. Comes to the Mets. Had an okay year last year. Let me just confirm that. 3.45, 89 strikeouts, 32 saves. So a much better year than 2020 for sure. Um, I would definitely like to have him in the back of my bullpen, but he just has to be that guy for the Mets. If they can close down games, that'll be great for them. If they can score runs for Jacob DeGrom, that would be great. Um, I hope Scherzer doesn't, <laughs> hope Scherzer doesn't get that poor curse. Or maybe Scherzer should just pitch like in the one spot and then he gets the, the DeGrom treatment. Like, is that how that works? Is that a superstition thing? Who knows? The, the Mets Alonso are the... hit, what, 80 home runs in a year or something like that? He he clobbered the ball his rookie year. He he didn't take no for an answer. He's the scariest home run derby person I've seen since uh, Cespedes at this point. Like, the yeah. grip he has on the home run derby is terrifying, and if he ever gets serious enough about <laughs> the regular season as he does about, about the home run derby, the league's in for some trouble. I will digress on my points earlier, Austin. The Mets, 
as good as they are on paper and as much talent as they've added, my biggest concern is continuity and uh, chemistry. Because even last year, whenever Lindor got brought in, Baez got brought in, their biggest issue besides injuries was chemistry. And in baseball, I think chemistry is one of the biggest things for any team any given year in terms of trying to win a World Series. Because we've seen World Series runs, whether it be the Giants, their three different World Series championships, or even that Nationals team. It it, it means something whenever you have consummate pro-type guys that enjoy playing with each other and playing for each other. So while this team has an insanely high ceiling, their floor could be really their, or their floor could be pretty low if uh, it just doesn't work chemistry wise, because talent is great to have. But if they're not going to play for each other and with each other, it could get ugly really fast. Yeah, when yeah. you when you get when you get guys from all over the place and they haven't played together and then not to mention they haven't had a spring training yet. You, you you can't have time to, you know, get to know them. So I, I yeah. think it could be a slow start for them. And, yeah. and I actually was just a little fun fact here. Um, I didn't realize this. They have five previous first round draft picks on their team. So on top of all the money they put in, they've, you know, found the guys that got drafted early and some of them, we're Mets guys, but some have been from other teams. So I think that's just an interesting little tidbit. Who's the who's yeah. the five first round picks? Nimmo, Lindor, Dom Smith, Scherzer, and Walker. Mm. Oh, I remember Walker. I wouldn't have guessed Nimmo or Smith. I didn't know they were first yeah, round picks. Me, me neither. <laughs> <laughs> Brandon Nimmo, respect time, my friends. It's time we put the respect on Brandon's name. Oh, I'm a huge fan. I love guys like that. And mm-hmm. I, I hate to argue with you, Austin, but I think Canna's a, a Nimmo light, I guess. Like Nimmo's going to be that leadoff guy that just gets on base at a, an insane clip. And I think Canna could be that second leadoff guy in the lineup down you know six or seven and just get on base for the wraparound effect and i I think if that's all he does that's fine because they have the home run hitters to bring him home i know like you said he was expected to do a lot more with oakland so maybe he will do better just being that obp steals guy i don't know I, i i think just like those consistent guys that are able to just take walks are undervalued in lineups no yeah i i I totally believe mark canna can prove me wrong uh any day of the week i i don't know if bob melvin putting him at the leadoff spot put a bad taste in my mouth i hated watching it over and over i was like please stop (laughs) like i know he gets hit by pitches i know he's getting on base but the dude's having a down year you gotta get him out of that spot he's like that is not your leadoff hitter he's not even like getting on bases like as he normally does and it, it was always I mean, he worked the count. It's so weird. It like I know he's a good ball player, and I know he works the count. He's a good defender. He has uh like surprise power. Uh, he can hit 20, 25 bombs. I just I just have a bad taste in my mouth for some reason. It's just that weird personal bias. There's just those some guys that you're like I, I can't get behind them. And then yeah, you have if Cano is DHing, you get to move Jeff, Jeff McNeil over to second base, and Jeff McNeil is. Not the worst second baseman in the world. Um, two forty nine last year, seven home runs, thirty five RBIs, and decent guy to throw in the lineup. And they'll have Dom Smith and to 
you know, move him and Cano in and out. I Cano is like that great smooth defender, like that everyone likes to see. But I, I, oh God, if I see him in the field of play more than half the season, I'm going to be like, oh, please, please don't do it. <laughs> in terms of finishing in the division, second place sounds right. Maybe a wild card spot. Um, probably a wild card spot, especially if there's expansion, if the expansion goes through. Um, even if we're just fought a five team playoff, I still expect them to at least hold down the second wild card spot. I don't know. The NL West is going to be scary. Who it's knows? a bar fight. <laughs> <laughs> it'll be, it'll be interesting. Um, all right. The second place, Philadelphia Phillies, uh, Grant kick us off with the Philadelphia Phillies. So I think they surprised a lot of people. I mean, like you guys said, the Mets kind of underperformed. So there was uh, room for them to kind of slide into that second second place position and almost made the playoffs. Um, they're a really frustrating team, though. I mean, you've got a stud in Bryce Harper, and they just can't seem to put together a competent lineup or outfield, for that matter, around him. It's it's just really frustrating. Um it's really good to see the improvements in their rotation behind the obvious Wheeler and Nola. I mean, Suarez was a really bright spot for them and Kyle Gibson was a good acquisition for them too. And I think he'll be pretty consistent holding down the back of the rotation, but they've just, they just have had some, some prospects that just have not done what they've expected so far and I think that's part of the reason why they just haven't made the next step like Kingery was supposed to be the next the next big guy and he's still in AAA I mean he came up and they signed him to a I mean at the time it was a big contract looking back now with you know Wander Franco and stuff it's it doesn't compare (laughs) but they 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 signed him to a big deal and he just hasn't done anything and it's frustrating to see because you you do have such great talent with Bryce Harper and I actually thought the year where it was where they signed um Harper and then they got McCutcheon and um Segura and stuff I was like oh this team's going to the World Series and they just could not put it together I think it was what we were talking about with the Mets just too many guys that just didn't gel well together Mm -hmm. but yeah I I actually don't recognize a couple of the guys in their starting lineup, which too, actually. <laughs> I'm a huge baseball fan and I don't recognize a couple of the guys. Um, but outside of Harper and real Muto and Hoskins. And I mean, the, the first four guys in that lineup between Segura Hoskins, Harper and real Muto, you know what you're going to get. And they're, they're really great hitters and good defenders. But after that, it's, it's a struggle. I do think though, they're, definitely going to sign a Castellanos or um, a Conforto after once this lockout ends, they're going to definitely make a free agent move and get another outfielder because they have nobody other, other than Harper. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I still think they have a, te- a chance to compete for a wild card, but if the Mets don't do what the Mets normally do and they actually play really well, then I don't think they have a chance. Yeah. It, It'll be weird. It'll be weird because we're obviously in a spot where the free agency pool is still very big and can vastly improve any of these teams. Um, yeah, looking at the depth chart, I see Matt Verling in left and Matt Verling in center. So I assume they're going to need. Hey man, that's a damn good ball player. But let me tell you, 
due to cost cutting measures, the Phillies <laughs> have elected to start one man in center and left field. Uh, I think, yeah, Castellanos would be an insanely good acquisition. Um, Chris Bryan, if you want to shove him in left field, oh, fuck it, why not? Um, they don't need a shortstop. They do have DD, um, so I don't foresee like Correa or Story going there. Um, Correa and Story are probably spoken for for the most part in terms of like the top three teams they can go to at this point. And I don't think the Phillies fall under that list. Mm-hmm. Um, I expect them to boost their bullpen. They already did with Corey Knebel, um, Jose Alvarado. Basically, the only two guys I can trust in that bullpen so far, and I can barely trust Jose Alvarado with the kind of year he had last year. I, I guess it's once you leave Tampa Bay, that's it. You're, you're pitching. That's it, brother. Game once, over, man. Once you don't get to talk with Kyle Snyder no more, that's it. Hey, no more advice. Um, Starting rotation's great. Um, love that the Rangers get another starter they can turn around for something. Um, Kyle Gibson will be a great number four, probably one of the best number fours in the league you can have if he is able to repeat his Ranger days uh, where he can locate his slide, uh, slider and sinker. Really good pitch-to-contact type of guy, and Philadelphia is a big park, so if you can keep the ball on the ground, he'll be good to go. Um, Ranger Suarez kind of came out of nowhere, uh, so that was really good for them. Then you have Nolan Wheeler, of course. Um, so far, the depth chart tells me Hans Kraus is number five. I don't know about that quite yet. That's another guy they got in the Kyle Gibson trade when they also pulled in uh, Ian Kennedy. Hans Kraus was a good Rangers prospect, and the Rangers are kind of so top-heavy at starting pitcher um, um, depth in terms of their prospects that it didn't surprise me once they got rid of him. He got shelled his only two games. He gave up four runs in uh, seven innings last year, walked seven guys, only struck out two. So clearly not ready for the majors, even as the number five guy. I don't foresee him there. Um, so if they sign like a good, like a decent guy to shove that back there behind Kyle Gibson, um, that's kind of what I would expect too. So probably maybe two, two to four more signings, one big, three small, probably for the Phillies. Um, but yeah, I think the biggest ask is the outfield. I think they would need a superstar to put there to protect Bryce Harper. Um, you got the lean gene hitting machine. You got DD who can still swing a bat. Um, Reese Hoskins, if he stays healthy, he's a great ball player. And JT Real Muto, arguably one of the best catchers in the game right now. Um, that was really big for them last season to extend him long-term. I, we really felt like we were talking about it last year. We really felt like that was the one move the entire offseason the Phillies needed to make. You cannot let JT Real Muto walk, especially after we look back. We just looked back uh, like half hour before the podcast and what they gave up, and Sixto Sanchez was in that deal. And I was like, I love Sixto Sanchez. Like, now it's still a good trade for both teams. And the Phillies are in a good spot. They just have to stop blowing leads all the damn time. That's that's their, been their biggest thing for the past two years. Where's Brad Lidge in his perfect season when you need him? Like, come on. I, I think I think a big thing with the Phillies, for me at least, is they got to sure up the bullpen for me. Uh, Nola and Wheeler is a great one, too. And if it wasn't for them being in the NL East, they might have a claim as the best one, too, in their division. But with uh, Scherzer and DeGrom in that one-two spot for a different team, it's really hard to argue against it. 
Um, I, I agree. They need to add an outfielder. I've seen rumors for Chris Bryant becoming a Philly. I think that would be huge for them. Bryant is one of those consummate pro ball players. He's good wherever you put him coming from a Giants fan. I would love for us to resign Bryant. I don't think it's in the cards, but anywhere Bryant goes, he's an instant impact guy. Castellanos would be really good for them as well. His bat is exceptional over the last couple of years. I think one thing moving forward for this team, if they but aside from their bullpen, we know who Harper is. We know who Real Muto is. Uh, Hoskins has been good in the past, and Segura and Gregorius, while they're not the best middle infield in baseball, they're serviceable, and they should be able to get the job done. I'm looking for Alec Bohm to take a step up this season. Alec Bohm came into his rookie year in that shortened 60-game season and batted 338 with a 400 OBP and had a slugging percentage of 481 with an OPS at 881. I don't expect those numbers coming into this year, but he has to be better than last year. He hit sub 250. His on-base percentage was below 310. Like He has to be better than he was last year if this team is going to capitalize on any opportunity that the Mets might slide with. Because I'm going to be honest, the Phillies are probably the three spot. If the Mets falter at any point and they do have a slow start, I think the Phillies have the talent to be opportunistic and kind of take advantage of that. But in terms of just raw talent and player for player on a roster, this team is far closer to the uh, Marlins than they are to the Mets. And that's not a detriment to their team in terms of players overall. It's just on paper, the Mets roster is so star-studded and so deep. I just think the Phillies lack the depth of the two top teams in this division, and they also lack the pitching depth in those uh, bullpen spots. Because your starting pitching can be so good and your top stars can be amazing, but that's not how you're going to win a full season of 162 games. It'll only get you so far. And we've seen that over the last two or three years with Bryce Harper being out in Philadelphia. Until they get serious about operating upon the fringes and getting more depth and more talent in terms of their uh, back-end guys, I just don't know if we can trust any Phillies team in terms of a deep playoff threat or even wild card at this point. So speaking as a uh, Tigers lifer, um, from experience, this is this is a Dave Dombrowski team to a to a T. Um, for one, they're they're definitely not done this offseason because he mm-hmm. is a, he likes to stay busy, likes to make moves. And secondly, their bullpen has been and will not be good. Um, that's just how the Tigers teams were constructed. It's just something he doesn't value for whatever reason. So. Outside of, you know, they got Corey Knievel, and outside of that, I mean, like you mentioned, Austin Alvarado has not been himself since he left Tampa. But outside of that, I don't think they're planning to make a bullpen move. If they do, it'll be a shock, and it'll be a good thing for them. But I think they'll add a couple bats and maybe, you know, another starting pitcher just to put in the mix. But outside of that, I I don't see them – strengthening that bullpen just because that's how he operates yeah damn it dave speaking speaking from from somebody who in 2010 had arthur rhodes in the seventh darren oliver in the eighth neftali feliz in the ninth back in 2010 that's when i learned as a how old am i uh i was like 15 16 at the time i was like this is what matters like I love Cliff Lee. Don't get me wrong. Cliff Lee was fucking nuts when we got him as a rental. But you got to have those guys in the back that when you're like, game over. The second you raise that arm, that gets game over. You bring in yeah. you bring in those guys 
and you shut the game down. That's what the, the Giants did exactly that. The Giants literally just shoved Three reaching out there, scored two runs, and were done. Some like, of my favorite all-time Giants are the relief guys that we had. Sergio Romo is a legend in SF. Freaking Jeremy Affelt, I loved that guy. The bullpen is the heartbeat of playoff baseball, and if you refuse to address it, a team will basically laugh in your face as their bullpen does what it has to do. Unless you're Dave Roberts, then your starters are also your bullpen. Your bullpen hey, are your starters. That's how it works. Hey, it's good to go. Hey, Kersh, you want to come out there? It's like what the? What? It's like, hey, Scherzer, is your arm dead still? He's like, yeah, it's been te- it's been twenty minutes. And then Roberts is like, uh oh, break glass. Hey, Kenley, I know you hate me for this, but uh, go get him, Tiger. Now more than ever, though, as the Rays are showing, you know, you need a strong bullpen. I mean, yep. especially in the playoffs, like if you you have. Like they'll they'll have Wheeler and um, Nola pitch, you know, one two in a in a best of seven series. But outside of that, if you want to go up against, like at the Dodgers or the Mets, you gotta be able to contend with those bullpens and get innings out of those guys. Otherwise, your starters, like you said, are gonna have dead arms. Mm-hmm. And these days, especially in the playoffs, leashes are so short. Like we yep. we know Kevin Cash has the shortest leash of anybody on his starters, but especially in the playoffs, it it's literally like, like hit, hit, run, you're done. That's it. Well, it's, as, it's as simple as that. As the game has evolved teams, the problem with the Phillies for me is the Phillies refuse to, uh, they refuse to adapt because the Phillies were extremely successful from like 2004 ish until about 2011. They had, an insane team. They had great starting pitching and they had some of the best bats in baseball for a period of time. And they won that way. And I think, I don't know if it's ownership or whoever's leading the brass in Philly refuses to adapt. And that's not only hurting the franchise, it's hurting the fans because now they're wasting the primes of some of the better players in the game. And it's not like we have this Rubik's cube that's impossible to solve. And there's so many moving pieces. Baseball has shown us over the last half decade that pitching is paramount. If you want to be a serious contender, you have to address it, regardless of how good your bats are. It's just the way the game has moved. And until the Phillies get serious about their bullpen, I can't take them seriously myself. 100% agree. And the last thing is, too, is you usually have the guy in the bullpen where if your manager goes out and get him, you're usually just like, that's the game. Like we lost. Like I hate I hate this guy. I hate when he comes in. That's like most of the Phillies bullpen. That's where the problem lies. It's like it's not like, oh, you could have gone to this guy. It's like, yeah, but I went to him two days in a row. It's like I can't go to that guy. I can't go to that guy. I can't go to that guy. Like Joe Girardi might just go out there himself and do it at this point. Like <laughs> Cue my music. Like, come on, Joe. You were a catcher. You 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 can throw the rock. Come on, it's fine. I forgot Joe Girardi led this team until that very moment. Woo. That's I think a problem in itself too, but we don't have to we don't have to get too deep into that. Oh no, we we let's see. You have we have Don Mattingly in Miami. You have Davy Martinez in Washington. I don't love Don Mattingly, but I can't give you anybody better for a young team like that right now. Davy Martinez won a World Series, so he gets to stay. Um, who's the Mets manager now? It's like it's a carousel out there. Uh, oh, it's uh, it's uh, Buck Showalter. They added him in the offseason, right? Isn't it Buck? Yep. Oh, is it Buck it is. now? Okay, okay, yeah. all right. That's gonna make it really interesting in terms of like mm. chemistry and stuff because Showalter's not a bad manager at all, but 
he hasn't been in the game for a little bit now. And as we saw with uh, the White Sox this previous offseason, old minds and new game don't always mix. So I hope Showalter yeah. can show up for him, but it'll be a mixed bag. Is it crazy to say, though, that Girardi might be the worst in the division? I don't I think. No, I don't think, think that's. I think, I think that's true. I think the Phillies think do that. That's to a managers. problem right there. Yeah, yeah. The Phillies' best parts or th- their upside pieces in terms of the other teams around them, I'm not as inspired by their upside because you have Bryce Harper and JT, some of the best at their position. But beyond that, they're playing with guys that can't really hold a stick to them. So you're basically well, really saying- Joe Girardi was handed some of the best teams he could he could handle and. Couldn't he was manager in 09 when they won, right? Yeah, he, he was. Yeah, he, won, he won one. He won the in problem 09. Is he overmanages. He does. Yeah, yeah. But well, that and that's and that's kind of where you are in sports. It's it, if you take a guy out too early, or if you pull, if you you know pull him too late. It in a results based world, it's like when Kevin Cash pulled Blake Snell in the World Series. We all knew Blake Snell should have stayed. He was absolutely carving through the Dodgers lineup. But these analytics say, no, Blake's not going to pitch well through the third time through the lineup against Mookie Betts, even though Mookie's over two, this and that. Like Kevin Cash overmanages in the analytics way, and then Joe Girardi just <laughs> overmanages in just his his eyeballs. He's, like what, I'm he, Joe Girardi. I'm go, making the call. Pretty much. <laughs> I'm Joe freaking uh, Girardi. Why wouldn't and like, I we'll, And we'll talk about it like, like I, this – NL West is down the line, but we're going to talk about Bob Melvin and how that probably adds like 15 to 20 wins on a stacked Padres team. The difference between Jace Tingler and Bob Melvin is fucking enormous. Dude, Jace Tingler pissed me off. I'm a Giants fan. Like, I should have been super happy he was doing what he was doing. (laughs) But ever since uh, the shortened season, whenever Tatis pimped that grand slam out and Tingler's not defending his guy, it's like, dude, have some fun. You have like one of the most exciting young teams in baseball. Like, live a little who gives a shit about the unwritten rules like let your guys breathe they're they're good the good managers find a mix between analytics and just going off of gut and again i don't want to get into a whole political discussion with aj hinch but from personal experience with the tigers he's completely turned around a a bad organization just based on how he operates and how he uses analytics, but also just from experience with a championship team and just going off of gut. And like you said, with Bob Melvin, that's a perfect example. I mean, he, he had very little in his time at Oakland. So to see what he's going to do with an exciting lineup like that, it's, it's scary. And I think the NL West got even better just by adding him. I'm terrified mm-hmm. <laughs> for as great as Kapler was last year. And I expect him to be good this year. Jace Tingler complicates a lot of stuff for this Giants team moving forward because we we could we could count on Tingler messing something up at least every other game we play them. But from everything uh, Austin said about Melvin throughout this year and going into this year, yeah, it's going to be a bar fight. All right, let's get to the very top. The defending world champion, Atlanta Braves. Oh, it's so weird to say it. It's it re- so it really is, but it. hey. It wasn't the Dodgers, so that's all that really matters to me. Hey, I, I, I actually, uh, fun fact, I actually got to catch the Braves play last year because I was debating, because I went to a Giants game with my fiance, and I was debating, like, do I see them play the Dodgers, the Padres, 
or the Braves. And I was like, the Braves tickets are far cheaper and I can see Ronald Acuna play. So I was like, yeah, we're going to get great seats, go see this game. I went into San Diego like two months later and the game was in like July. And I was telling my buddy, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to go see the Braves and be able to see Acuna. And then by the afternoon, he tore his ACL. Mm. And I was like, wow. And so great game to watch. That was actually the game that Rosario hit for the cycle. It was crazy. But all things considered, I've got to see the eventual champion. So I'm thankful for that. The Giants couldn't do it. At least Atlanta held it down on their end of the bargain. Yeah, so you got you got a team that pretty much only has one hole at the moment, and yeah. it's first base. It's the impending Fredward Freeman. Is Freddie Fred Freeman going to stay a brave or not? You look at the starting rotation. You have Morton, Freed, and Ian Anderson, Huascar, Yanoa. I don't know who Tucker Davidson is, to be fair, but the first four are pretty good to me. And if Mike Soroka can come back to literally Ooh. any form of Mike Soroka, that's terrifying. I, I love Mike Soroka, and I'm sad that I haven't been able to watch him play um, for the for the past while. And I know an Achilles injury is one of the worst things to deal with. Um, their bullpen, not so bad. Um, they... They have Kirby Yates, right? I'm not crazy. Yeah, they signed Kirby yeah. Yates. It's not on the depth chart, so it threw me off. Um, yeah. They have Kirby Yates to pitch the eighth inning behind Will Smith. Um, Kirby Yates, two years ago, two, three years ago, was one of the best relievers in baseball. To take the pressure off somebody like that, who has a great uh, sp- uh, splitter, I believe, if I remember right, um, that dude can find his stuff. That They will be what we just talked about when the Rangers had – Oliver Rhodes and Smith, you have two guys in the back who are going to be like, all right, cool. It's the eighth inning. The game's over. I can literally trust my guys to shut this down. You know, obviously every pitcher has their bad day. You blow a game here and there, but you're always going to go to Kirby and will, because they will end the game. Um, You have Albies at second, Austin Riley, who played out of his mind last year at third. Dansby Swanson is short, possible Marcelo Zuna with whatever's going on over there either playing left or DH. I, I I don't know that whole legal situation. I don't know if he's going to play baseball. Um, honestly, don't believe he should play baseball. Um, but if he does, he's a great bat. I'll just evaluate it at that. Um, Acuna, literally one of the best young players in the game, coming back from an ACL injury, should light up the world. Adam Duvall, another great player. Um, this team... I'll pose okay. I'll, I'll pose the question to you, Grant, and then you can go off how you feel about the Atlanta Braves. If the Atlanta Braves don't sign Freddie Freeman, are they still the first place team in the NL East? Yes, I think so. I know that's that's hard to predict <clears throat> because he's the heart and soul of that team, but I think they'll get someone in his in like for replacement, just someone that's obviously not worth as much money. I don't know who that might be, but like an Anthony Rizzo or some, yeah, someone like that's that. That's what I was thinking. thinking of. <clears throat> I was looking at the money so, myself right now. Yeah. So I, I think there, I, I love the Braves. I don't know what it is about them, but I just love all the guys on their team and just watching them win it last year was just so exciting. I mean, they have a lot of really likable guys starting with Freddie Freeman. So I hope, I hope and pray that he stays with them just because he he's such a good guy. Um, and, you know, you've got the hometown guy with Dansby, Dansby Swanson and they've got the 
the young, they had the, you know, the best farm system a few years ago and it's totally paid out. They've all come up and just done exactly what they're expected to do. And they, someone, someone in the Braves front office is doing it right though. The contracts that they have with Ozzy Albies and Acuna is just like a, such a steal. Um, so I, I just looking at their lineup, it's exciting. And then you see their injured list is Soroka, Acuna and Kirby Yates three of the best players that they might have coming back somewhat a part of the season. So it's just like, they're going to get even better and <clears throat> loaded, loaded back end of the bullpen with Minter Jackson, Matt sick. And I mean, Will Smith was a little bit shaky, but when he's good, he's one of the best. And then you got a pretty under the radar guy in Tuki Tucson, who was supposed to be this amazing starter that they're turning into a long reliever now, which I think is a good, a good idea and something that could pay off well for them. They have a, as you guys talked about, really good rotation too with Freed and Morton, who is the ageless wonder and Ian Anderson, <laughs> who's not even 24 yet. So, I mean, you look at top to bottom and this team is still really exciting. I mean, I, I don't really want to speak too much on Ozuna because I agree with you, Austin. I don't think he should be playing and it's kind of, it's kind of like the red flag of the team and just, doesn't look good that he's still playing, but I think they have a really exciting team. And I mean, they didn't even get the best out of like a their catcher, Travis D'Arnaud. And I mean, Orlando Arcia has a huge upside too. Christian Pache is supposed to be insanely good too. So I think, I still don't think we saw like the best that they could put out there. I mean, they had a really good core and then they just traded for guys like Soler and, um, Eddie Rosario and guys like that. So I think if you get what you can out of those other young guys, the sky's the limit. My biggest thing about the Braves for the entirety of this podcast, we've talked about upside and we've talked about rotations and bullpens and depth and star power. This team has it all. Everything that I've said about individual teams before the Braves, this team has every single positive thing that I've, marked down for whether it be the Mets, the Marlins, the Phillies, and the Nationals. Ronald Acuna Jr. is Soto adjacent. They are 1A, 1B in my eyes in terms of young talent, in terms of upside in this league. And the amount of money the Braves are saving on Albies and Acuna is damn near criminal. Whenever Wander, Tatis, and all these guys are doing these mega extensions before arbitration, Acuna and Albies are the best dollar – they are the best pound for pound, dollar for dollar values in baseball in terms of talent as well. I love Austin Riley. And I do think if Freeman does want to walk, Anthony Rizzo would be totally fine slotting in at their first base role. And I, I could see Rizzo wanting to be a part of this team. They were infectious in the playoffs last season. A big thing for me as well is Max Freed is disgusting. I saw him pitch live last year. His stuff is damn near unhittable whenever he's on. And if Soroka can come back, they have a one through four that can rival anybody in the division. Not even mentioning their bullpen, Kirby Yates and Will Smith, two top end closers. Whenever Smith is healthy and he's on his game, he's one of the best the league can have. Um, Kirby Yates went healthy the last time we saw him. He was the best closer in baseball, if I stand corrected. Uh, Luke Jackson, Matt Matzik, and Minter made names for themselves in that postseason run. Matzik was one of the best stories in baseball in that postseason run for the Braves. And this team could possibly bring back one of the three that helped spark their uh, second half run whenever Acuna went down. 
Peterson, Solaire, and Rosario are all free agents. I expect them to bring back at least one, and I think Peterson's the guy to bring in. They don't have a lot of lefty bats. I think they bring Peterson in. It gives them some lineup versatility moving forward. And Diarnode is an above-average catcher for this team. I like how young Contreras is. I think he can grow with their core moving forward. Albies, for better or worse, is arguably one of the best second basemen in the NL, if not the best, in terms of what he can give you at his top end. Austin Riley is disgusting. I expect nothing more but improvement this year from him. And even if he does slump, they have the talent around him to kind of buoy him up. Like I don't see any players slump next season really hurting the team as a whole. I like Dansby Swanson. I expect more out of him with the bat this year. I think he was a little bit down last year, but it didn't really matter whenever it came down to it. Their outfield is insane. I don't think Ozuna should be playing. I expect a suspension to come in. Um, It's just moral stuff that I don't want to get into, but Duvall is a solid left fielder to have. And if you bring back a Jock Peterson and you have Acuna out there in right field, their top end talent rivals that of any team in this division and their depth is just simply unmatched. And with Brian Snitker coming into his own as the team's manager, he's a company guy. He's been with the Braves for the entirety of his career. Their momentum was so heavy this previous postseason. I don't expect them to do anything but win starting the year. They have the chemistry, they have the talent, and they have the minds behind them to basically run it back. I don't expect them to be the favorite whenever it comes to day one of the NL, but they have a greater claim to a pennant than I think anybody else moving into this year, whenever you consider all things for this roster. They are talented, they are young, they are veteran where it matters, and they are smart. And they may have broken the curse because it's always funny to poke fun at Atlanta for being a cursed sports city, but they, they finished the job. And if this team is going to be anything like it was in the postseason, and you're bringing Acuna into the mix, if I'm an NL East, if I'm an NL East team, I am scared. And that's just the way I see it. The Braves are the masterclass of their division. And I think they're a top three to four team in the NL, regardless of how you cut it. They are just head and shoulders above everybody else. Yeah, you kind of look at the Braves compared to their biggest threat, which on paper would be the Mets. Um, But I think we're in the middle of whether it be the Mets or the Phillies, but it's two complete opposite teams. You have the Braves who have kind of built from the ground up of their guys who they've believed in, who have been the heart and souls of this city. Mm -hmm. And as soon as – if Freeman's gone, Acuna is the heart and soul just like that. Like I'm not saying it's an easy – spot to be in easy shoes to fill is Freddie Freeman, but Ronald Acuna is that guy. He is one of the best young players in baseball. And, you know, he's right in there with the best outfielders in the game. Um, you have Ozzy Albies who I think even didn't have that best. Of, okay. He had a slow start to the season. If I remember right. Still, um, an all-star, remember, still a good player. Yeah. Um, it, and they have, they filled in the pieces of, they have their, their guy in Charlie Morton who can kind of be the veteran in the locker room and in front of that really young rotation. Um, I think you guys said it best and you know, they're not going to be the world series favorites entering this year, but they could do it again easily. If they signed Freeman Um, talked about how much money they're saving off of Albies and Acuna, there should be no reason why they don't resign Freddie. If they don't resign Freddie, it's because Freddie didn't want to come back. I feel like at that point, Alex Anthropolis needs to throw the entire city at at him. 
whatever he has left in money has to go to Freddie Freeman. If you want to solidify your odds of going back to back, I'm personally going to root against them because I don't like seeing back to back unless it's my team. I've seen back to back losses, um, yeah. but that's about it. <laughs> um, I, I, I have a point for it. Um, so the thing about the Freddie Freeman possibly leaving thing is this may be, I think his departure might be the least impactful of a superstar leaving a team post world series that we've seen in a long time. This Braves team is constructed so far, like looking back throughout baseball history, the last time I could think of a player at the peak of his powers, best player on their team leaving in free agency the year after a world series is Albert Pujols after the 2011 world series with the Cardinals. Whenever he jumped ship to the angels, Pujols at his peak is a far better player than Freeman ever has been. But I think they value the same amount to their teams, respectively. But with the Cardinals at that point, I don't think they had a lot of guys. You have to bring up the 2011 World Series, though. I'm getting to the point. That's cool. The card, the Cardinals after Pujols left, they didn't have a Ronald Acuna. They didn't have an Ozzy Albies. They didn't have an Austin Riley. And all three of these guys have been brought up alongside David Freeze, though. And and while they're not veteran stars, sorry, I lashed out up-and-coming young guys that have learned the right way through Freeman in this uh, locker room to where I don't think Freeman's departure is going to be ripping the heart out of this team. I think the DNA of what Freeman has been is ingrained in their young guys to a certain extent. So while it will hurt and it will sting and it will be awkward to see him in a different uniform, I don't think the Braves are completely screwed if he leaves. I think they can keep the ball rolling with who they have and the talent they still have. And same thing with their manager. Brian Snitker's been there for decades. So the Braves will still be the Braves. And as weird as it may seem with Freddie suiting up for maybe a Los Angeles, it'll look weird and I'm not going to like it, but I I just don't think the impact will be as shocking as some may think because Freeman's been such a pillar for their organization. I agree with that. I just find it like really hard to believe and uncharacteristic of everything we've heard about Freddie to just yeah. not want to stay, especially if they offer him the money. hundred percent. Like if he's chasing rings, like where's where, I mean, where's else is better than here unless he's truly afraid of like the back-to-back curse. But yeah. again, if they don't win it this year, they have just as good of a chance next year. So I, if he leaves, then I think there's something internally that we maybe not aren't aren't aware of. But again, I, mm-hmm. I think yeah. if if the if the Braves don't disrespect him and offer him the amount that he deserves, I don't see him walking away. I'll just word it that way. Freddie Freeman leaving would be the ultimate villain origin story. He <laughs> he would go from Atlanta's poster boy, golden child, best since Chipper Jones to public enemy number one. So I I completely agree. I would hate to see Freeman leave after all of the years that he's given and everything that that city has meant to him and him to the city. He seems like a guy that should be a brave until he retires in a world where athletes change teams so frequently. He's of the cloth where you see your Jeters and such. I just think the way he's built Atlanta is home and I would be very surprised to be left. Yeah, there, there would have to be something the fans don't know, I think, for that not to happen. But it's funny that Devin brought up Albert Pujols because Albert Pujols set the precedent for signing dudes after they're 30 to long-term deals. 
Albert yeah. Pujol signed an extremely long-term deal with the Los Angeles Angels after he was 30, or I believe he was 30 at the time when he signed it. And I, I watched like Brian Kenny's whole thing on dudes after 30. Freddie Freeman is 32 years old. I don't believe he's going to regress. Um, this will be his age 33 season as he th- turns 33 towards the end of uh, September. But it'll, it'll be weird because you have the Dodgers, you have the Yankees, and then you have the Braves who need to go after two guys, Freeman and Rizzo. Because after that, the drop of first baseman is it's bad. Massive. It's really bad. Um, Grant talked about Orlando Arcia, and that's where Arcia is currently slotted on the depth chart I'm looking at at first base. Good defender, high upside bat. Um, obviously, you're just going to say he's not Freddie Freeman. Like we can say that all day. Um, yeah. But Arcia is not the worst thing in the world. Um, if they were to sign Rizzo, I'd be a little surprised. I don't think it's because Rizzo's not good or anything like that. It just feels so weird to say a name that isn't Freddie Freeman in free agency. But you look at. Um, after that, it's like Mitch Moreland and Colin Moran, Mike, Colin Moran and Mike Ford. Like Mitch Moreland's <laughs> not the worst first baseman in the world, but he's not what he used to be. His 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 best days were early 2010s and a little bit with the Red Sox, and that was about it. You know, it's I a raised, huge drop off. I raised your Freddie Freeman for Dan Vogelbach. No, no, <laughs> no, no Vogelbach here. Fullback. Fullback, oh. Vogelbach, yeah. Um, oh yeah. I, I, I think another scenario that I could see if Freddie doesn't come back, um, they kind of cobble together a first base, and then mm-hmm. they um, sign or trade for Matt Olson. Yeah. Because I don't see the A's really keeping together what they have, and they just do exactly what they did in this past year. But another thing that I think we we didn't talk about was if the Braves could get through what they did last year where they just totally underperformed for, you know, 80% of the season and they just then went on a run towards the end. And, I mean, that's what baseball is. If you get hot at the right time, you can put it together in the playoffs. But But they have the expectation now, and I think they've proven it to themselves that they can do it they should come out of the gates firing and I, I don't see a team slowing them down. I mean, if the Mets can live up to their potential, absolutely. They can go head to head the whole year, but they've now proven it. They have a track record. And I, I think that they, the, the sky is the limit and they can, I, I would not be surprised if they repeat. I know it hasn't been done in over a decade, but I wouldn't be surprised. Not since the Yankees back in 2000. That's that's so wild to me to see. I think a big thing for this division as well is seeing is believing in my eyes. And for the better part of the last four years, Atlanta has shown us that they are the class of the division. And as flashy as the Mets signings are and as good as Bryce Harper can be in stints, four straight years says a lot. And in a year where they were 88 and 73 and they willed it, the, the Braves team essentially willed that division title out of the roster that they had. And if they're at full strength, I just, with the group they have, the uh, continuity I expect out of them and just the experience that this team has had together, the Mets will have to be almost perfect to push this Braves team to the brink. And as Austin and I always say, the Mets are going to met and perfection is not a uh, 
word that I use with the Mets far too often. So, well, and the time is now, right? Like it's all about timing in sports. Like if you look at some of the rebuilding teams, well, for me, like the Tigers, when they're ready, maybe next year, or if they surprise people this year, the only team really in the way in your division is the Chicago White Sox. Yep. You can beat up the Guardians. You can beat up the uh, Kansas City Royals. And then mm-hmm. you just got to get by the White Sox. You have one team that's in your way. The Texas Rangers, um, Oakland is falling down. Houston is possibly falling down. The Angels haven't thrown out a good starting five in you know 15 years. The only team going to be in our way is possibly the Seattle Mariners, but the Seattle Mariners haven't shown us anything since 2001. Yep. Um, so for the Braves, the time is the AL East. The time is now for everybody. And that's when you have a bloodbath. You have the yep. AL East and you have the NL West. Everyone thinks their time is now and they're going to beat the living crap out of each other. For the Braves, the Nationals had their Cinderella run. They're not going to be good. The Miami Marlins had a good shortened season, but they haven't been good in a very long time. The Mets usually can't put it together and the Phillies can't hold a lead. Now's the time to win your division again and make a run. It's going to be a tough way through the playoffs. As you saw, you got by the Brewers, which I did not pick them to beat the Brewers at the time. Um, they got by the juggernaut Dodgers and then they beat the Astros. Like it's, it's always a tough time in the playoffs, but the time is now in your division. You, the least amount of adversity is right now. Yeah. So I think we all have the Braves repeating. It looks like yep. by, but I think we're also in the spot that if the Phillies and the Mets were to make a run, we're not going to sit here surprised it, but they do it. They're in a spot where the Phillies and the Mets haven't shown us anything. So they have to put it together. Like we, we can't realistically pick the Phillies and the Mets because what have they shown us the past five years, you know, the Mets yeah, I mean, ever since they got beaten by Kansas city, haven't been able to put it together. The Phillies haven't put it together since 2008. Yep. Since if, Ryan if Howard got the, shipped it out. If you're the Braves, make the Mets beat you. Make them yep. make them put it together. Make them live up to their potential. Just do what you did last year. And then if somehow the Phillies can acquire a bunch of talent and get lucky and all the stars align, I think a lot has to go right for the Phillies yeah. to get in that position. <laughs> but make – Make the Mets beat you. That's just all you have to do. If you can win those games head to head against the Mets, then you don't you don't have anything to worry about. I, I think the Braves are set. Yeah. And everybody's made moves to kind of counter what Atlanta has been. And so whenever you're the person that's making other teams make moves, you're at the ultimate advantage because your team is set. And if you have to make a move, you have the ability to do it. So essentially they're the finished product and everybody else is adapting to what they are. But Atlanta can they can pivot if they need to, and they will, as we saw last year. They are well, that, aware that, of their that's, scenario. That's the thing about gonna... the Mets is they've made all these moves, and now we can might think of them as a contender. If the Braves make one move, that's it. They are yeah. they are the champions in most people's eyes. They just have to make one move to counteract everything the Mets have done this this offseason. That's it. The, sign sign your heart and soul of the of the, uh, of the city, and you are. Going back to the top. To put it as simply as possible, the NL East is a bunch of guys playing checkers while Brian Snitker and the Braves have been playing chess. So it's there's two different games being played here. 
if, if you look at the money too, um, mm-hmm. they're actually third in their division of, of team payroll. So they have the room to, to spend. Yeah, the exactly. Phillies and the Mets both have spent way more money than them. Than them. And even after Freddie, even if they sign mm-hmm. Freddie, they still have the room to spend uh, at the trade deadline or whatever they need to do. That's so wild to me. Things are peachy out in Georgia, Austin. I just got to say that. Atlanta's looking real good. (laughs) Things are going to suck this season when the Rangers spend all this money and we're going to suck this year. (laughs) It's going to be like, wow, you guys set the record for most money spent in offseason? So you're going to win 77 games? (laughs) Seager hit 30 bombs. (laughs) All on first pitches. (laughs) (laughs) But um, to wrap it up, Grant, I can't thank you enough for coming on. Um, We have a blast talking baseball. It's been filled with football for the past six months for us. And I know baseball kind of sucks right now in terms of, you know, CBA, but to talk about this and even speculating signings or not, it's been a lot of fun. So thank you a lot for coming on. Thank you guys. It's, it's been a pleasure and I I love talking baseball any time of day. So this is, this has been great. Um, Do you have any projects, anything like that you working on that you want to shout out to the crowd? I, other than, I, I just like to, you know, as, as I interact with you guys on Twitter, I, I just like to, you know, do my independent team and player analysis. I'm really into fantasy baseball as well. I don't know about you guys, but I, I try to put my own take on things on different players on, you know, guys that I see as breakout candidates. So it's, it's just uh, something that I do for fun and I'm hoping to, um, get a podcast up and going here soon. I've worked on a few episodes. I just need to put together a little bit more content before I can put out some episodes. So I really hope I can uh, return the favor and have you guys on that. Hey, we'd love to. So uh, if you guys don't follow Grant, it's right there next to his name at database hit, Uh, go follow him. The dude posts a lot of great stuff. Um, We interact based off, like he said, individual stats team stats uh players that we like don't like it's it's a good time if you love baseball during this time where baseball is pissing us all off it's it's a breath of fresh air to interact with other people and be like hey man i like this player a lot i don't okay fight me (laughs) in the world that baseball occupies right now where players and the owners can't agree on anything it's really refreshing being able to have conversations with you grant and austin because this is what the game's about it's about the fans and it's gonna be tough especially if we don't get a season this year a lot of guys are gonna go away from the game but i think having the ability to talk it is gonna be what keeps this game alive especially as long as we continue to stand with the owners We're good. Crickets. Right? <laughs> just crickets. No, just don't forget to cancel your MLB TV subscriptions before March 1st because the auto renew is going to kick in. And if there's no games, what are you paying for? I'm letting mine auto renew because they'll just refund me like they did in 2020. Fair it's, enough. Uh, fair enough. It, it's funny because it, it's funny because like us three sit here and we're kind of like in the hardcore fan base of baseball. Like if there's, 162 games, 120 games, 60 games, 50 games, 30 games. I'm going to sit down and watch them. Like I like I I get it. The owners piss me off to a belief and you know, to an extent you could almost get mad at the players but not really if you want to be on that side, but we're in the spot where I'm just going to sit here and wait, man. Like I want to watch some baseball. I want to go to some games and 
feel the grass and, you know, watch a dude slide into home plate and blast catchers, even though that doesn't really happen anymore. But you know what I mean? It, it, it it's been a long off season and I don't want it to get longer. <laughs> like even spring training, come on. <laughs> it, it's just so maddening that these selfish narcissistic people can control a sport that so many people just care and want to root for. And they just hold all the power and they know that. And they're just, yep taking their sweet old time. I'm just... Look, man, I just know whoever owns the A's, however much money you're making, you're not spending it anyways. So back off. (laughs) You don't pay the product anyways. Yeah, in a a world where baseball has already rebounded from a lockout, albeit thanks to steroid use, if there's a full-on lockout in a missed season this time... I'm interested. I'm interested to see how baseball can try and rebound, because Rob doesn't have Seelig's uh, bag of tricks. They've used that already before, so you got to juice some balls or do something. No more steroids. <laughs> no, not for me. Nah. Seelig's <laughs> right, the Hall but, of Famer, guys. But once again, Grant, thank you so much for coming on. Um, we got five thank more divisions to go, so you are welcome back anytime. Especially if, if you want to talk about your Tigers. One hundred percent. They they are yeah in my eyes they are surging in the right direction. I don't know oh, if yeah. it's this year, but I do like the Tigers a lot. Akil Badu is a stud, and then Javi Baez is out there now. I think it's going to be a really interesting team moving forward. I hope so. Yeah, no, I I'd love to uh, I'd love to join you guys for the next one. This this has been a lot of fun. So once again, if you don't follow us, you better. If you don't follow Grant, you better. Devin, am I missing anything? I got to plug it one more time. Just don't forget, guys. Uh, don't forget to use code TMSM at Manscaped for 20% off and free shipping. Shameless plug out of the way. They're waiting for one word. Right, Austin? Always. From all of us, and thank you once again, Grant, for being on. I'm going to usher it off with the uh, one P word that uh, doesn't stand for play ball. Peace. <laughs>